Hi everybody, this is Lee. I'm here with Jerry and Bob. We are One New Man Ministries and an Ephesians 2 ministry, a ministry of reconciliation, Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles. We study the Old Testament from the point of view of Yeshua, HaMeshach, that's Jesus Christ, and the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And we want to tell and understand and read it, the Bible, from the point of view that it's his story, the story of salvation through Yeshua. His very name, Yeshua, means salvation. For as Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of work, so that no one may boast. And then Ephesians 2 says, For Christ is our peace in his flesh. He has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is the hostility between us. He came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So we hope that uh, these verses will show some, shed some light on the what we're studying today in, in the Parsha Toledot. Uh, and uh, what are the, uh, what are we studying today, Jerry? Well, we have, uh, the Parsha runs from uh, chapter 25 with the birth of uh, Esau and Jacob, and it runs all the way through to chapter uh, 28. Uh, about the middle of that chapter where uh, Jacob is sent off to his uncle Laban. And there's a lot in this portion that many of us are very familiar with, but I'm kind of excited this morning. And again, I want to take a moment to say good morning to everybody. Good morning uh, to my friends Lee and Bob here in the studio. Good morning to our radio audience. Uh, there's a lot in this Torah portion that is familiar to us, and I'm going to kind of give a recap about that pretty quickly, but I'm excited this morning because the Lord has put something on uh, Lee's heart for a part of this Parsha that is probably a little less familiar to all of us, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing that. So let me just hit the highlights of the portion that everybody's pretty familiar with. Uh, we we remember last week that uh, um, Abraham sent his servant out to find a bride for his son Isaac and how the servant brought Rebekah and Isaac took her and he was comforted in the time of his mother's death. Uh, then there is the story that we're going to come to in this week's portion that uh, Rebekah, after many years of barrenness, uh, became pregnant and there was a uh, little bit of a tussle going on inside that she could feel, and she inquired of the Lord, and he said, well, that's because you have uh, two nations inside of you. Uh, and she uh, heard from the Lord, and uh, she finally gave birth to twins. And the first twin who came out was named Esau, and the second twin who came out was Jacob. Uh, there's uh, a lot in that promise that God told her. He said, two nations are in your womb, two peoples from within you shall be divided. But here was one of those key upside-down kingdom kinds of things that God does. He said, the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And so prophetically, God was letting Rebekah know that Jacob, who was born second, was somehow going to be master over Esau. We go from that part of the story to now the boys are born and they're growing. And one day, uh, Jacob, who was a man of the tents, uh, as opposed to Esau, who was a man of the fields, uh, they're out doing their thing. And Esau comes back home and he's starving. And he says, give me some of that good soup you're making or I'm going to die. And Jacob says, well, sell me your birthright and I'll be happy to share my soup. And Esau didn't have much uh, respect, apparently, for his birthright. And so he sold his birthright to Jacob. Um, <clears throat> everybody's probably pretty familiar with that story of how uh, Esau 
sold his birthright then. Hey, hey Jerry, one, one second. Can you explain in the Hebrew tradi- tradition what a birthright would be? So I'm sure you've done some studying on that, Bob. Why don't you share yeah, I, your idea? I, I, oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, the birthright was the uh, right of the firstborn son to have the double portion of the inheritance. So that if a man had five sons, uh, he would the, the, the estate when he died would be divided into six portions, and the firstborn would get the double portion. In addition, in the Abrahamic uh, situation, we have not only that feature, but the spiritual feature of the covenant blessing, so that that would pass along to the firstborn son. Now, we'll see that as Jacob's sons get born, that that gets spread out a couple different ways. But for now, this is what's this is what Esau has has not had much respect for is the idea of uh, the double portion and the idea of this spiritual blessing. In uh, the commentary of the rabbis here on uh, on twenty five thirty one, sell me first thy birthright. At first sight, Jacob's conduct appears indeed reprehensible. On closer examination, however, we learn that the privileges of the birthright so coveted by Jacob were purely spiritual. In primitive times, the head of the clan or the firstborn acted as the priest. Esau's general behavior hardly accorded with what was due from one who was to serve the supreme God. And Jacob suspected that his brother did not value the dignity and privilege of being the firstborn as they should be valued. Mm-hmm. Good enough. Okay. So, from uh, in looking at Jacob's story, uh, then the next part of this story is, is, again, a part that everybody's pretty familiar with, how uh, Isaac says, I'm about to die and it's time for me to give the blessing. And Rebecca overhears him and she has uh, her own preference that uh, Jacob received the blessing. And so Isaac sends Esau out to go and kill some game and come and prepare him his favorite stew again. Uh, and Rebecca sets in motion her plan that Jacob should uh, go and make some stew and bring it into his father. Jacob says, well, my father's going to recognize that I'm not Esau, and Rebecca puts some hairy skins on his arm and, you know, makes him smell like the fields, and Jacob goes in with his stew, and Isaac uh, suspects something's up, and he he says uh, it's 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 uh, Jacob's voice, but it's Esau's hands, and so he goes ahead on the assumption that it is Esau, and he gives the blessing to Esau, uh, and Jacob receives the blessing of the firstborn. Then, and it's at that point as Jacob is leaving, you know, uh, I, Esau, Esau Esau shows up, and he goes in, and he is. Uh, informed that Jacob has has taken his blessing and he cries out to his father isn't there a blessing for me and Isaac says you know he he's taken it and he at that point Ish uh, Esau is so enraged that he vows he's going to kill Jacob but in deference to his father he says well I'll, I'll wait until my father is dead then I'll kill him uh, Rebecca becomes aware of Uh, Esau's intentions. And so she complains to Isaac. Again, there's sort of this pretense idea. Uh, You know, uh, Esau has taken some some wives from the local people, and that's driving uh, Rebecca crazy. And she says to Isaac, you've got to send Jacob back to our homeland. Send him to Laban, my brother, so that he can get a wife from our people. And so the portion ends with Jacob being sent off to uh, get a bride from his, his parents' people and not from the local people. Um, actually, the portion ends not quite with that, but then it goes on. So Jacob is sent off, and Esau, knowing that his Canaanite wives were making his mother crazy, decides, well, maybe I can make things better by marrying a daughter of Ishmael. 
but we know that that wasn't really satisfactory because Ishmael also was outside of the line of blessing. And that actually is where our Parsha ends. And so as I said, uh, most of us are pretty familiar with these high point uh, places of Jacob's story and, and Isaac and Rebekah. But Lee uh, was reading the same portion and the Spirit just really uh, opened something up for him in a part of this Torah portion that is neglected to some degree, let's say, not, not as well known. And that is actually from the beginning of the Torah portion through chapter 26, uh, beginning with, uh, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son, that Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah. So we're going to go back here to uh, Genesis chapter 25, and that begins in verse 19. And Lee, we're just anxious to hear what God's put on your heart. Oh, uh, thank you, Jerry. Um, you know, and we've been talking about uh, Isaac as the foreshadowing of Yeshua um, over the last couple of weeks. You know, we talked about how he, the miracle of his birth, how, you know, he was born to uh, Sarah when she was beyond the biological uh, ability, apparently, to have uh and, and very much, you know, in a, in a, in a similar miracle, miraculous birth as Yeshua, different, but, you know, both miraculous. How Isaac uh, carried the wood for the altar, uh, much like Yeshua carried the cross. How he willingly, because this was not a child, this was a, an, a, an adult who was strong enough to, you know, fight being bound and put on the altar but how he willingly laid on the altar we talked about how uh probably the reason both he uh isaac and his father abraham could even go through with the the akeda was because of the belief in resurrection as hebrews points out and then you know you so beautifully talked about last week how the, the metaphor of how Abraham, his father, sends his faithful servant, Eleazar, who is much like the, the, um, the Holy Spirit, to go find a bride for his son, who is the heir of all things. And, you know, how, who's Isaac, and how, you know, that Rebecca, the bride, is, who is faithful and kind and, and just, and true how how you know this is such a a parallel with the god the father and 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 yeshua the son and the holy spirit going to find the bride in the church so so you know i came to this reading from this sort of perspective of wow isaac is such a foreshadowing of yeshua but we just don't know much hear much about isaac after that as an adult and we don't get a lot of insight into his mind and his emotion but here it is right here because this is Toledot is a Parsha it's called and these are the generations of Isaac so this is about Isaac and so what happened he takes Rebecca um, and, sh and Isaac was 40 when he uh, married Rebecca um, and, she, and she's barren, okay? And um, in verse 21, so Genesis 25, 21, it says, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord let himself be entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. So very much different than the problem of Abraham and Sarah when they apparently were barren and not able to have the child of promise and Sarah sent in Hagar and we know where that story goes off the rails there with Ishmael um, but here Isaac is showing that he is devout and also Rebecca is devout because in it says here that she um, that the children struggled together within her and she, in, in verse 22, 25, 22, and Rebecca, she went to inquire of the Lord. 
So she turns to the Lord in prayer. And that was when, as you said, the Lord said to her, two, two nations are in the womb, two peoples, and one will be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. And so, uh, you know, when they're born, Esau is hairy and red, and he comes out first, and his brother Jacob has hold of his heel, and he's the the name Jacob means one that takes by the heel or supplants. Very interesting as we see. So, you know, we have in this in in Isaac someone who we are saying is foreshadows Yeshua. And so after the story of the pottage, you know, and, and Esau selling his birthright for a you know, a bowl of soup, we get to 26. And this is what I really want to talk about because I think it is relevant to my current history in the Middle East between, you know, we here, our show's going to be, we, we tape on Monday, but this show's going to air on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And it says, I think God in the tour is trying to point something out to us about favor and grace because the hebrew word for favor is chain and the hebrew word for grace is also chain right a chanum from the same so so this idea of grace is really about favor and i think in the context of favor we need to understand, and this is something Bishop Ezekiel Williams preached on, share with me. It really stuck to my heart, and that is no one can steal another person's favor. They can covet it. They can be envious of it, as we see Esau is, you know, coveting and being envious of Jacob's favor, okay, that was preordained in the womb, God answered Rebecca's prayer that way. But no one can steal another person's favor, and they don't know the struggles that that person had to go through to have their favor or to, uh, I guess, have the favors the right way. And we clearly see that with Isaac. You know, it may be that someone might have wanted his favor, but they don't know what he went through getting ready to be killed by his father when the angel stayed the execution on the altar. Mm-hmm. And that is the story of Abimelech and Isaac here in chapter 26. So in chapter 26, there's a famine in the land. And it was similar the to the famine that was in the days of Abraham when Abraham went to Egypt. But in 26, Isaac went unto Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, under Gerar. Now, this is, brothers and sisters, this is very near Gaza. This is what we're talking about. And I'm not saying the Philistines are the currently the same people as the Palestinians, but these are, this is in exactly the same geographic location. And I believe we can find a path for peace in chapter 26. So what happens? The Lord appears to him and says, don't go to Egypt, stay here, sojourn this land, and I will be with thee, talking to Isaac, and will bless thee, for unto you and your seed I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath which I swore unto Abraham thy father, and I will multiply the seed as the stars of heaven your seed, and will give unto your seed all these lands, and by your seed shall all the nations of the earth bless themselves. Now, we talked about that uh, before the show. That is an active voice. You know, it's a, and when Abraham receives a blessing, all nations shall be blessed, right? It's passive voice. But I think it like that, what I was just reading is the King James uh, translation, mm-hmm. but in the, N, uh, the NRV translation, it says, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven 
and will give to your offspring all these lands and all the nations of the earth shall gain blessing for themselves through your offspring. So this is, if, if, if we are saying that Isaac is the foreshadowing of Yeshua, and as we go on and, and look at this some more, what he's really saying is that this is how we all gain blessing, gain grace, gain favor through Yeshua, through the seed of Isaac. And the, 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 the point here is by grace we have been saved through faith. Okay, again. And so what happens, he goes on um, in, in, um, and he lives there in Gerar with Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And he here's the one thing about Isaac that other than that he showed preference for Esau and, and Rebekah showed preference for Jacob, there was uh, some partiality in the way they raised their children or loved their children. The one sort of, you know, sin, if you want to call it that, fault that's pointed out here about Isaac is he does the same thing Abraham does, and he tells the people there that Rebekah is his sister, not his wife, exactly what uh, Abraham did with Sarah in Egypt. And and this come and this you know when when Abimelech see, sees them you know maybe smooching or something and he goes that ah, doesn't look like a brother and sister he 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 confronts Isaac Abimelech the king of the Philistines and he and he says calls Isaac and says in verse nine twenty six nine and behold of a surety she is your wife and you said she's your sister. And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die because of her. So there is one thing that is clearly different, a fear of death, than about Isaac that is very, you know, human. We all have a fear of death as human beings. But Yeshua, who was perfect and righteous, came and conquered death and the anxiety, the fear of death. So this is a this is a little bit where we see the humanity of Isaac. And, and then what does Abimelech said? Hey, you know, someone could have slept with your wife, and then that would have brought guilt on us. So, you know, he's one man's lie can lead to another man's sin and guilt. And and this is, you know, what he's saying. And so then he tells, uh, tells his people, stay away from Rebekah. But this is where the story becomes very interesting, verse 12. So Isaac sows in the land, sows his seeds, and in verse 12, and in the same year of the famine that he has a hundredfold return, and the Lord blessed him, and then in 13, he be, Isaac becomes great, and he becomes rich, possession of flocks and herds and a great household. And right there in 14, and the Philistines envied him. So, you know, this Toledot is about favor and envy. And this is the point that I want to make. Because we see that Jacob is favored and Esau has envy. And we see how that sort of leads to potential conflict, right? Esau wants to murder him. But what does Abimelech the king do here? So right here in 15, there's an important point because it says, now the wells that Abraham had dug, the Philistines had stopped them up with earth. And Abimelech in 16, 26, 16 says to Isaac, go from us for you are mightier than we. And he and Isaac leaves, and he goes into the valley of Gerar, which is somewhere in the Negev. I'm not sure where that is. And Isaac digs again the wells of water, which his father Abraham had dug, and which the Philistines had plugged up in 18. 
And he calls them the names after which his father had called them. And the first will he digs in, in verse 19, and this is very important, it says, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of living water. Now in Hebrew, living water is ma'im chayim. That is the water of life, right? The water of life. And, you know, the commentary says, oh, that's spring water versus stagnant water. And some of the English translations say that that is, you know, spring water. But in Hebrew, it's Mayim Chaim. And why is that important? Because we know in Yeshua what he says about himself as the, the uh, now I have to read the verses because they're so important here. And this is in John chapter 4.10 when he is by the well and the Samaritan woman uh, comes and he wants a drink and she gives him a drink and but she says to him in nine how is it that you would you ask a drink of me a woman of Samaria and Jesus answered her in, in John 4:10, if you knew the gift of God and who is it that is saying to you give me a drink you would not have asked him and he would have given you living water and then in John 7, 37 through 39, on the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. Now he said this about the spirit which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. Can I just add uh, one other verse to this idea? In Isaiah chapter 12, um, <clears throat> a kind of an amazing verse when you put it in the context of what you've been, been talking about. Um, Behold, God is my salvation, Yeshua. I will trust and will not be afraid for Adonai, uh, Almighty is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation, Yeshua. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, the wow. Mahana Yaha Yeshua. You will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make his deeds known among the nations. But just that idea of living water, and here Isaiah puts it forward as the wells of salvation the wells of yeshua hmm. and and you know that that's what i'm trying to point at here because you can look at this from the material plane the earthly plane say oh they're in a desert it's a famine and how important water is in that circumstance or you can look at this from a spiritual point of view and and talk about how Isaac is as if if he's the foreshadowing of Yeshua and he brings forth he digs out he uncovers these covered up wells that his father had dug and out of them come living water the Holy Spirit and so what happens next this is incredible okay so he digs there's a well of living water, and the herdmen of Gerar, okay, these are the Philistines, they contend with Isaac's herdmen. They say, the water's ours. And what does Isaac do? He calls the name of the well Essek because they contended with him, and that means contention. And so what does he do? Does he fight back? No, he moves on. And, they, and then he digs another well, and, and then... The, the Philistine strove, you know, contended for that one also, and he called the name of that one Sitna. Okay, this is in 2621, and Sitna means enmity, hatred, enmity. Now remember, Yeshua came, we're in Ephesians 2 ministry, he came to tear down the dividing wall of hostility. That is the enmity that is between us. 
So did Isaac fight back? No, he turned the other cheek and he moved on. And then he dug a third well. And that one he called Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And that's the one that the Philistines did not quarrel over. So exactly. they've been quarreling, quarreling, no quarreling. That, that's the, one of the things we want to acknowledge here, too, is apparently they thought, okay, now it looks like we've got enough water and uh, we don't have to fight over this one. Right. And then the Lord appeared to Isaac that same night and said in verse 24, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And so what did Isaac do? He built an altar. He worshiped the Lord. And then in 26, here is the path for peace. Then Abimelech, remember the king of the Philistines, comes down with his friend and the captain of his armies and and Isaac says to him in 27 why are you why are you coming to me that you seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you and Abimelech said we saw plainly that the Lord was with you and we said let there now be an oath between us between us and you and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no hurt as we have not touched you and as we have done unto you nothing but good and sent you away in peace and thou art now blessed of the Lord. And they made a feast, they ate and drank and they departed from him in peace. So I want to say that and this is uh, this is near ba- uh, Beersheba later it says Beersheba this is a, in the modern day city in the Negev so i want to say in this current you know climate of war that we're living through between Israel and the Palestinians where's Abimelech where's where's the king of the of the Palestinians who says, I see you're blessed of the Lord. I see your favor. You know, there is room. And where, where is on the Israel Israeli side, where is there, you know, a leader that says there is room? There's room for all of us. You can have your wells of living water and, and, and you know, there's wells of living water for us too. And remember... You can't steal someone else's favor. You can envy it. And what does envy lead to? Ill will, malice, hatred, destruction. It doesn't lead to peace. It doesn't lead to gaining someone else's favor. Or you can, like like it says, the covenant that, that the Lord made with uh, Isaac, he said... By your seed shall all the nations of the earth bless themselves. And so we want to say that, you know, if Isaac is the foreshadowing of Yeshua, it's through Yeshua that all nations of the earth shall bless themselves through faith. By grace you have been saved through faith because he is the well that leads to living water. I just wanted to share that because the Lord put it on my heart. Amen. There's a path for peace. Yeah. That that is so so rich to to bring that out. And it is interesting that um, when we get to that phrase uh, about uh, the nations will be blessed uh, in English, it is translated consistently in that passive idea they will be blessed. But here in this portion, it does say specifically in the Hebrew uh, that this is an action on the part of the nations to find blessings for themselves, to gain blessing through Isaac's offspring. And so it, it is so, so clear to us from our vantage point in salvation history to, to see how Yeshua is the one road 
to ultimate peace. Amen. He is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And when the psalmist instructs us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I believe that as New Covenant followers, uh, it's not just the, the governmental or military peace <laughs> that we are praying for, but we are praying for the actual presence of the Prince of Peace, the peace of Jerusalem, the one who brings peace, the one who is the peace. And we are praying in Yeshua into this situation. You this, know, and, and, and I guess the last thing I want to say about Isaac and Abimelech, you know, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Mm-hmm. That's what Yeshua said in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. And, you know, we need peacemakers who, who love a Jewish man, a man, you know, born as a Jew. The seed of salvation came through there. You know, you can say this is God's favor. It was his seed of salvation and like you talked about a couple of weeks ago, it all it's like an hourglass that funnels down to Yeshua, and then it spreads out to all nations. And that blessing of living water is available to all nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When we look at the situation, <clears throat> we have to ask ourselves, and and it. I think it's the same question that applies to any any really strong and deep division when we look at our situation here in America and the strong divisions that exist in our own societies uh, and we look at the, the, the historic division between Arabs and Jews and what's going on in Israel. And you ask yourself, step back from, from those deep and bitter and, you know, each side has its own valid points, but each side clearly has its own inherent sin as well. And you ask yourself, what, what is it that could finally bridge that divide? What concept, what reality can finally reconcile these two parties, each with their, their historic grievances? And it's got to be something from outside, if you will, that, that comes in that, that in some way makes each side recognize its value but it's false and to be able to say what I see in myself in terms of value and fault I now see in that other tribes grievances as well that there is value in them there is value in what they stand for there is some value but there are faults and what the beauty about the cross and the teaching of Yeshua and the message that we bring is that He sees value in all of us because we're all God's children. But he sees the equal reality that in God's eyes, we are all sinners. We're all rebels. And it doesn't matter whether you happen to come from the tribe that God ordained the Messiah to come out of or some other tribe, still sinners, and the answer to the sin problem is the same for everybody, no matter what the tribe is. Yeshua came to be the Savior, to take upon himself the sins of the whole world, Jews and Gentiles, Israelis and Palestinians, Democrats and Republicans. You name the, you know, there's, there's so much wrong going on in this division idea. Right now, we have Armenians being persecuted and oppressed by Azerbaijanis. We have Nigerian Christians who are being persecuted by Boko Haram. It's all around us, these divisions. And the answer is always the same. People in the image of God... Valuable people intrinsically, and yet they carry the stain of Adam, Adam's sin. And Yeshua came to obliterate sin, 
to tear down the wall <laughs> that divided us from God. And if we are united with God, then we open up the possibility of being united with all of those who are made in God's image. But until we can be reconciled to God, all of us, because we're separated through sin, until we are reconciled through Yeshua, those bitter rivalries are going to be the thing that consume us. The, the, those are going to be the most important things in our lives. Those are the things that are going to fill up our vision. And until we replace that with a greater vision of the glory of God, those are the things that we're going to chase after. What makes me feel important as a Palestinian is to uphold my Palestinian cause. What makes me feel important as an Israeli is to uphold the rightness of my cause. You apply that everywhere. Isn't that the case? We need to replace our cause, that thing which motivates us and gets us up in the morning, with a greater cause. Amen. Don't you think? I do. And Yeshua, we maintain, is that greater cause. The living God, the God who made heaven and earth, in whom nothing is too difficult. I love that verse. So we've talked about it before in Isaiah that says, you know, is the Lord's arm too short to save? No, your sins have separated you from me. What's the remedy? Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53. All we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now if we all, Jews and Gentiles alike, can come and grab the blessing, gain the favor of Isaac's offspring... This is what's called for in our time. This is what we're praying for, the peace of Jerusalem, Isaac's offspring. Yes, God has put the blessing over the nations. In you, Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. But nations, God's calling us to go after the blessing, to gain the favor by putting our faith in what God has provided. And that's really the, the, the nub of it all, isn't it? Are we willing to accept a way that isn't our chosen way? Are we willing to go in a direction that is not the direction we would have chosen for ourselves? This is what God is saying to us throughout the scripture. My ways, not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are greater than your ways. Listeners, whoever you are, that's what we're, 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 we're telling you is, is God has revealed this way that is a way of real peace and a way of real reconciliation, the way that makes it, uh, I don't want to say makes it possible, the way that, that puts you in the right place with God. Your sins had separated you. God provided the sin payment. Yeshua bore your sins on a cross. And once you are reconciled to a God who is peace himself, then you are able to be a peacemaker. Once you are in a relationship with God who says, you know, put, put your thoughts all on me and you will have peace. Consider God. Think about God. Think about his wonder, his beauty, his grace. Consider God and his ways of righteousness in the world. And, you know, the provision, Jehovah Yireh, right? God who provides. When we have our minds right through faith in Yeshua, then we are able to be wells of living water, as, as the scripture you read. Out of, out of their bellies will flow rivers of living water. Not that we have become the source of living water, but God has promised that everyone who places their faith in Yeshua, that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes to dwell in your heart. He is the source of the living water. We are still struggling in the flesh as followers of Yeshua. You know, the, make no bones about it. Any Christian who, who, who sets himself up as some kind of paragon of virtue or, or uh, I never do anything wrong anymore, 
they are not being honest about themselves and they're not dealing honestly with the scripture. Paul says that our life as followers of Yeshua is a war, a war between God's Holy Spirit who dwells within me and a war between my flesh. Paul calls it. Let's call it a, the sinful impulse, the temptations that still draw me towards ungodly things. That does not go away, sadly. But the reality is that does not go away when I put my faith in Yeshua. What has happened, though, is where I used to be a slave to those passions. Now, because of the Holy Spirit in me, the Holy Spirit in all of us who claim him, we now have power, Holy Spirit power, to deny ourselves and take up our cross. In other words, to die to that temptation, to that passion, and to say, I can follow God through the power of the Holy Spirit in me. That's the way to peace. That's the way to peace. And then it says, it goes further on in Galatians there, it says, uh, we have this warfare going on, but when we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, then he produces fruit in us. Love, joy, peace is number three on the list. He goes on from there. Uh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But if we're seeking peace, peace is a, a, a gift of God. And peace is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the followers of the Prince of Peace. And until all the tribes of the world and the individuals who make up those tribes can come to a recognition of the peace provision, the peace process, the peace accords of God, we're going to continue to have strife and the warfare that we see all around us. And so we're a call to peace. We're a call to reconciliation. We're a call to set aside our tribal rights and causes and set them to the side and say there is only one way where we can come together, and that's through Yeshua. You know, this, um, this seed of envy that... Uh, it is here. We see two examples of how it's dealt with in this tour portion. One is by Abimelech. He sends Isaac away in peace, and he, you know, I'm not saying they weren't envious. They were envious, you know, and they even contended for these wells. But in the end, he acknowledged Isaac's favor his grace the blessing of the lord and he wanted to partake in that with him and mm -hmm. make peace mm -hmm. and then we have the example of jacob and esau and and you know this is before the ten commandments thou shalt not covet but boy there's coveting there right and and you know so we see you know it says oh the law condemns nah and, but this is before the law and and the in the consequences of this coveting and the envy and the ill will. He's going to kill his own brother once Isaac dies, and that's why Rebecca sends him away. You know, the consequences of that are right there in front of our face. In the, in, in, in the founding of the seed of salvation, there's also the, the seed of sin through envy and you know and there's another point here and that is there's a there's a problem here with Rebecca too because you know we when she does this trickery with uh Jacob and you know puts the hairy mantle on his arms and you know gives him the smell of Esau and tricks Isaac into giving him the blessing well you, you could say oh well she was being obedient you know because you know God had told her that the the older was going to serve the younger and she was just you know following through with God's you know plan but no she took the plan into her own hands her own will and, you know, when she sends Jacob away, she never sees him again. 
That's the last time right. she dies without seeing Jacob again. So she pays a price. And, and, and this is the point. There are consequences of our sin, right? God is very clear in Exodus when he says holding us to account. He's forgiving, but he but by no means not holding us to account. Mm-hmm. And so, and then there's this other part of Jacob, which is sort of greed and avarice that, you know, isn't as immediately obvious. But when you compare his, um, when he says, well, you know, Dad's going to know it's not Esau. I mean, you know, I don't smell like him. I don't have hairy arms like him. You know, you're going to, instead of a blessing, I'm going to get cursed, right? Right. He tells that to Rebecca, but he he goes along. He follows the multitude to do evil. He follows the mother to to. Thou shalt not steal to steal. Is he stealing? I don't know. He's is he coveting? Anyway, he's Let me sinning. Just throw one more in here. Uh, we often overlook it. He takes the name of the Lord in vain, right? Because Isaac asked him, "How'd you do this so fast?" And he says, "Because the Lord your God granted me success." Wow, that's a pretty ugly one. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know so. He bears false witness, so he does. He breaks a lot of the Big Ten right there yep. before they're even written. So, you know, is it the law that condemns? Well, this is before the law, and they're still condemned, right. and they still suffer the consequences of their sin. What it is that condemns us is our pride, and you know that to me is something about Abimelech, that he's able to swallow his pride and to say to Isaac, I see you're blessed. Mm-hmm. I want to share in your blessing. And isn't that what Yeshua calls us all to do when you said to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and crucify ourselves in our own pride and our own will and surrender our will to his will, and, you know, and that's the way of peace. You know, when we take it into our own hands, whether we're Rebecca, whether we're Jacob, you know, whether we're Isaac, frankly, you know, telling Rebecca to be his sister, when we come up with our own plans, mm-hmm. doesn't really work out that well. Yeah, I think that's a great observation. Yes, sir, Bob. Uh, yes, sir, but, uh, on... Uh, on chapter 26, it says, uh, For I will give all these lands to you and your offspring and, and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. He's always taken him back to Abraham on the, on the oath and the, that he swore and the covenant that he swore throughout the Old Testament. So this is where I think Abraham kicks the ball off on, on the game here and everybody locks in step with him. And uh, I think that's something that, that needs to... Everybody is... is fallen in line with Abraham's promises that God gave him. Amen. Um, There's also something else that uh, is interesting, uh, and that is in chapter 26, after uh, there's all this contention over the wells, and Isaac may be, who knows exactly what he's feeling, unsettled. Is this really the right thing for me? Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? It says in verse 24, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham, fear not. Doesn't that sound a lot like um, Abraham going out and fighting the kings and meeting Melchizedek and offering up the tithe and then wondering if all those kings are maybe going to come back and fight him and God appears to him and says, fear not. And I think that's such an encouragement for us to maybe uh, end here is that um, we take steps of faith sometimes and then we f- might feel like we're just sort of out there hanging. <laughs> Was this really the right way to go? Was this really the right thing to do? And I want to say God is, 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 is saying to you, 
Fear not. I'm the God who has promised. I'm the God of Abraham, your father. And what do we know about Abraham? He received the promise. And if we're following Yeshua, we have received promises. You know, we have received the blessing. Uh, Paul has that great verse in Ephesians chapter 1. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in the Messiah. That this is our starting point. And so if, if we uh, get out there uh, walking by faith, trusting God in, in our choices, turning things over to him, whether it's about our careers, our families, our marriage choices, our being married or staying single, whatever it happens to be, uh, sometimes we're going to be in a place where we felt we have been faithful, but it is a place that causes us some fear. Am I, am I really where God wants me to be? And I want to assure you that if you're walking by faith, that you can trust God and he is saying to you, fear not, fear not. Don't judge your life by the level of uh, ease that you are in. Uh, circumstances themselves do not dictate God's favor or not. God says he has placed, here's back to favor, right? God says he has placed favor on you already if you have become his child through faith in Yeshua. He calls you his beloved. I mean, look at the apostles and the lives they led as they went out to follow Jesus. These guys did not have an easy time. And what did, what, what did Jesus say even? That these things would come to you, these blessings would come to you, and persecution. Jesus himself said, in the world you are going to have trials. Well, we're still in the world. But don't fear, I have overcome the world. And so this is our calling as followers of Yeshua, not to fear but to step forward, to keep stepping forward in faith. And I think a, a place for us to maybe draw this back to our times is what is the place of faith for us right now in the conflict of the world to say to both sides, you both equally need something that you're not going to get in the war the way you're fighting it. What you all need is spiritual healing. Before the land can be healed, before your physical uh, problems can be healed, you need the spiritual healing that only Yeshua can bring. And so we say to Palestinians, we say to Israelis, we say to Jewish listeners, we say to Gentile listeners, you need the spiritual healing that only God can bring. Then you will have peace, real, lasting peace. Then the wells of living water will be planted in you by God's Holy Spirit himself. And you will become the source of living water for others. You will be known as a peacemaker. And the peacemakers are what, Lee? Children of God. The children of God, yes. That's our message. That's what we hope for all of you today. That you know Yeshua that the walls of hostility that kept you separated from other creatures made in God's image has been torn down in him. Whatever that wall of hostility was, in the scripture, as Paul's writing, it seems to be the law. It seems to be the way the Jew-Gentile uh, conflict was constructed in that day. But it is the wall of hostility that gets erected between us over family differences, over uh, sometimes very silly little things, sometimes bigger issues but the point is whatever is keeping you from someone else whatever that wall is it can only be torn down by putting your faith in yeshua so we call on you today do you want the walls torn down do you want to be brought into right relationship with god and with the people around you are you sick and tired of always feeling like you're at war with someone you need Yeshua. He is our peace who has broken down every wall, every wall of hostility, every wall that separates. We need Yeshua. So if that's how you're feeling, would you just pray this? Father in heaven, I thank you for Yeshua, Jesus, the wall breaker. 
I thank you that he's broken down the wall of my sin and I receive your forgiveness through him. And I thank you that he's broken down all the walls that divide me from brothers and sisters, from my fellow humans. And I ask that you'll make me an agent of your peace. By the power of your Holy Spirit in me, thank you for your salvation, for your Yeshua. And we ask it in his name, amen. Well, we're at the end. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you'll be with us next week. And in the meantime, be blessed by God.